The idea of job security is outdated as a landline. If you haven't been in a search for a while, it's probable you will at some point, by choice or not. Most executives admit to staying way too long or sense what's coming and justify staying anyway. Here, there's another reason. The faulty belief that navigating to what's next will inevitably be worse and has to suck. Screw that. Lauren Greif has spent a lifetime in corporate and executive search, calling bullshit on stale career advice that most still use. This is Career Blast in a Half, the career podcast for executives ready to cut past outdated career advice to fuel your outcomes now. So let's go. This is episode 21 of Career Blast in a Half, and I am here with a true soul sister. Soul sister, like that kind of soul sister. And I am so excited for you all to meet Shelly Paxton. As a little backstory, I met Shelly Paxton like three and change years ago. And I got to hang out with her in an apartment. And it was then that the seeds were planted like something is going to bring us back together. And it wasn't just this podcast. It was in large part because of our shared mission, but really her stepping out and speaking about it in her book called Soulbatical, A Corporate Rebel's Guide to Finding Your Best Life. And some of the topics that we have talked about that we're going to bring forward here are things that we're all, it seems like so many people have those moments where they're like, wait a second, does success and my soul's purpose, are they ever going to like get married and find each other? Are they going to like, you know, run off into the sunset together or do they have to stay like mutually exclusive? And so Shelly Paxton, a complete honor, not only to have you here, but to have you as my friend and such a generous and warm, warm, warm connector of so many people. Hand on my heart. It is my honor. Thank you. Thank you. I love you so much. And I love that we get to have these conversations like amongst ourselves over coffee. And we also get to have these conversations and share them with the world to thank you for what you do with your platform as well. So I want you to rewind the tape and I want you to bring us back to this time in your life where you had your soul calling and describe for us, please, where were you? What was going on, both on the outside and on the inside? <laughs> well, you know, I'm a fan of looking from both of those perspectives and bringing those perspectives into alignment in, in, is a big part of the work I do and what I'm super passionate about and what I try every day to live in my life as well. And so, Rewinding the tape, I would say I got the soul wake up a long time before I understood the soul calling. <laughs> so maybe I'll start there. Good idea. You know, I always say that, you know, so, you know, we kind of know like so much of my own story and what I talk about really, really can be distilled down to 
it's time to start being honest with ourselves and really listening and paying attention to what's going on on the inside. And so for a long time, I didn't. I had an absolutely incredible career, 26 years in the corporate world, serving some of the most iconic brands on the planet. And at the peak of my career, chief marketing officer of Harley freaking Davidson. (laughs) As a marketer, it doesn't get a whole lot better than to serve a brand that people love so much they tattoo it on their bodies. And it it was and still is one of the greatest honors of my life to have had my fingers on that brand. And yet everything looked shiny on the outside to the point that you just made. And I had this feeling like, wait a second, I've gotten to this place. I've ticked all of the boxes that I learned equal success. I was conditioned to believe would make me feel all the ways I wanted to feel, all of the joy and all of the fulfillment and all of the energy. And instead, I found myself in this place, which, you know, was, you know, a shining achievement that a lot of people don't even get to in their careers. And I felt really empty on the inside. And this little voice kept telling me, like, pay attention, pay attention. And I did what most of us do. I was like, no time for that shit. (laughs) Just like pushed it down and pushed it away. And I was drinking every night to try to kind of incapacitate the little voice and ultimately the nightmare that happened, which I'll, I'll talk about. And so, you know, I love to say on, and in any forum on stage, on a podcast, in any conversation I have, like, we can tell ourselves all kinds of stories, but the cosmic kick in the ass is coming at some point if we don't listen and we don't tune in to what that message is and what our our truth and our values and our desires are. We are all, we are eventually going to live someone else's definition of success if we don't start paying attention to what's ours, right? right. And a hundred percent, that's what happened to me. So my cosmic kick in the ass was being ripped out of my sleep at 2 a.m. by a nightmare that haunted me for the entire final year that I was at Harley-Davidson. So for context, I was 45 years old when this nightmare started. I was well into my career. I was, like I said, kind of at the peak. And I think my soul in the universe conspired to say, okay, Chiquita, if you're not going to pay attention, we're going to make you. So it was like the two by four to the solar plexus, like you're going to listen. And I think that happens to so many people. You know, it might be the cancer diagnosis. I literally hear these stories in every room I'm in. When my sister got cancer, you know, when I got laid off, when the pandemic hit, you know, you fill in the blank. What is your own story? For me, I'm talking long before we even knew what a global pandemic was. I had this nightmare that woke me up that my soul was literally dying. It was malnourished. It was longing for my attention. And so the universe and my soul were not going to let me sleep until I started to pay attention. And that was the early, early breadcrumbs of me starting to understand the truly feeling successful is really when what, uh, like how I'm living and leading is more in alignment with 
the truth and the values and the desires of my soul. You can think of it like a Venn diagram. The greater the overlap, the more full I feel. The less overlap, the more empty or exhausted I feel by my success. That's, I mean, it's absolutely hearkening back to so many of those experiences for me. And I know that listeners are probably thinking to themselves, how is she telling my story? How is she able to get like in my head and tell this story? Because that dynamic is not unforeign to us. In fact, it's very familiar. And if you're anything like me and maybe like you, like you were too busy and I was just ready to ignore it. And so part of the question is, you know, if you're living this life that was that you were expected to live, what do you do now once you once you hit the wake up call? What once you once you're woke, what do you do? Now now you're like, oh, like I can't unsee this. I can't go back. Like sometimes knowing is worse than the denial. So when I got at that point. That's right. I say this all the time, right? Like the knowing, like once you know, you can't unknow. And then it demands action, right? So it's like, okay, now I know this. I can no longer ignore this. What do I want to do about it? And this is when we so often get into these stories that we tell ourselves, right? So I would say there are three stories and and I'm I, I'm smiling. I know people can't see me, but maybe you can hear it in my voice. I'm smiling because I know these deeply personally, these stories, right? The the first one is I'm fine, right? And fine is a four-letter word. This is when we are literally like, I am going to choose inaction. I'm going to choose to keep stuffing this truth back down until I get the cosmic kick in the ass, which is going to force change. So that's one possible avenue where, and I, I'm guessing that there are nods of recognition from the people who are listening to this podcast right now. And, you know, the second one, and I was really guilty of this one, I like to call it, I'm just going to rosé all day my way to happiness. And really, it may not be that you're roséing. It may not be that you're drinking. It's that you are choosing this path of numbing out instead of facing the internal truth, instead of facing what your soul is trying to tell you. So that could be retail therapy. That could be why. That could be food. That could be Netflix binges just to be in a stupor. I'm not saying anything of these is bad in moderation. I'm saying get really curious about why you're doing what you're doing and recognizing when you're truly trying to avoid the thing that is so clear and the thing that you, you know, what are you pretending not to know is one of my favorite questions. And we often pretend not to know by numbing ourselves. Mm -hmm. So we're, if we are a VIP, you know, member of Dopamine Nation, as Dr. Anna Lemke calls it, it probably means you're telling yourself some version of that story, right? And the third one that I think is really powerful is this idea of I won't be happy or feel fulfilled until I retire or right. Yeah. So my favorite thing is, so first of all, super passionate about this for two reasons. One is because we all know this. Tomorrow is never guaranteed and neither is your retirement. Whatever you choose for your retirement to look like, 
it may never come. And number two, I quit so you don't have to. And that's why I love having these conversations because my work is not about quitting your job. Maybe that is the right avenue for you. Maybe you're simply not in at the right company or in the right role or doing the work that truly lights you up. All of those things could be possible. But I am not sitting here saying the only way to solve this is to quit. I'm saying the first thing to circle back to your question, Lauren, is the first thing is like, get quiet and slow down and take the first tiny step, which is getting honest with yourself. What really is my soul trying to tell me? What really are my truth and my values and my desires? Because those are the starting point for then figuring out what is my definition of success? What does success feel like for me? And that's an important distinction. Notice I used the word feel because one of the biggest epiphanies for me on this journey, and listen, uh, it goes without saying, but I'm going to say it, none of this happened overnight. I know that's an important thing to say out loud. None of this. I am still figuring this out. And I'm really passionate about sharing what I'm figuring out as I go to maybe help people expedite how you can kind of dig into this. But the, one of the most important things I learned is I thought success was like, oh, well, success is the things I should be doing, all those boxes I should be ticking instead of really paying attention to how is what I'm doing making me feel? Mm. So I am a question, right? right? Yeah. And so what do you say, and is this up another story or does it get bucketed into the three that you mentioned? Like, who am I to self-actualize all day? I mean, I've got a family to feed. I got bills to pay. I've got all these things. Like, why, you know, why can't I just kind of suit up, show up and soldier it out? And I... I don't see you saying, oh, you can't. But what I guess I'm asking is, what's the consequence? Yeah. And I think, I mean, I, I love that. I think probably that could be its own fourth story. It's a really, I'm guessing that's a very common one. I love that you brought that up. My response is, listen, life is your choice, right? But that's why I really hone in on this idea of how is it making you feel? Because if you're like, yeah, I feel good. I feel energized. I feel aligned. I feel insert, you know, insert how you want to feel here. I feel joyful. I feel rested. I feel connected. Whatever that is for you, rock on, my friends. I would challenge it. If we were in a coaching situation, I would want to dig a little bit deeper to say, really like at the end of each day, what do you want success to feel like? Because living that way, and I am somebody who was living, like I was suiting up, I was armoring up, I was like fit polishing everything to, to a shine. So externally, and I think this is a really important point, externally, so many of us look successful. But when you look at the statistics, the statistics say that most of us, in fact, the majority of us, don't feel 
successful because we aren't finding deep, like 75% of us are not finding deep, lasting meaning in our lives. 85% of us have experienced burnout. 43% of women, there's a, a McKinsey Women in Workplace study that I cite all the time. It's from just last year, 2022. And it's like 43% of women have experienced burnout versus 31% of their male counterparts, right? And one third of women have experienced depression. Like you start to put all of that together. Honestly, that's the consequence in my It absolutely is. You and I both share something that isn't a pleasant thing to admit, but since you and I are soul sisters and we're not afraid to get raw and real, we talked about being a title whore. I also was a huge title whore. And so, you know, it's it's also like, how does the catchphrase title whore and this whole idea of your identity get so enmeshed that it's hard to pull them apart, right? Yeah. As, and we see that a lot in the, in the job search, but I'm a vice president, so I have to, you know, do, do this, 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 and then your identity becomes either your title or borrowed against a logo from a company or some other place. So how do you split those things apart and keep them in check? Yeah, you've heard me say this before, but I think that was the most painful and pivotal work that I did when I left Harley. And I didn't even realize that I needed to do the work. So when I left Harley, I was like fumbling in the darkness. I only knew that I had had this, that I had had this awakening that my, like I was completely disconnected from my soul, but I didn't really understand what that meant. So the deeper that I dug, the more I started to realize, oh my God, I've been living my dad's success script. I've literally been following his path. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. It served me really powerfully for decades until it didn't. Right. And so then I took the step further to really understand, okay, well, how was I defining success? Where did this thing start to go off the rails? And I realized that I was 100% both my success and my identity were completely tethered to big corporate titles, big paycheck, sexy global iconic brands. I worked for Harley and McDonald's and Visa and Intel. I served all these I mean, and more, all these incredible brands around the world. I didn't know who Shelly Paxton was. And I am not, I mean, I wouldn't have been able to tell you that at the time. I, did, I didn't have people like you and me in my life. I wasn't able to have this kind of conversation. So my hope in saying this out loud and you and I both being vulnerable and telling our stories, that we say, it's okay. Because I think we're conditioned to believe that that is what makes you successful, in quotes, right? When in reality, if it's completely misaligned with who you are in the world and what lights you up and what, you know, what, you know, what, what gives you fire, then it's not 
success? How could it possibly be? So part of my journey, and I do talk about this in the book, is dismantling that whole idea of success and starting with my identity. So I was like, okay, strip away all the accolades, all the brands, all the titles, all the money. Who the fuck is Shelly Paxton? And what if Shelly Paxton is the most iconic brand you could ever win with that? Oh my, this is really powerful. I see, I see a lot of collateral damage that shows up when folks are let go or for whatever reason there's a reorg and they, they are no longer needed at their organization. And that rudderlessness of who am I now? Because I have been living under this banner, this umbrella, this, this thing. And without that, I just feel lost. And so what do you have to say to those people, Shelley? Some of them are listening right now that are thinking to themselves, you know what? Must be nice for you, Shelley. You know, you got to go and, and do this on your own or you got to do it on your terms. I am forced into this right now. What, what, what do you say to them? Yeah. Number one, you're not alone. And I feel you. I feel you. This is, I am not sharing any of this like, woohoo, I got there. There's a destination to get to. And I'm not reveling in it. It is what you just described, Warren, is exactly why I'm so passionate about the work that I do and so passionate about the work that you do. Because I want to help and I want to share everything that I've learned. So one thing, I think getting really clear, there are a few things are coming to my mind. So one is getting really clear. I did this exercise. I literally wrote, who the fuck am I in my journal? And I wasn't allowed to use titles or promotions or accolades or anything. I was simply allow, I allowed myself to talk about, force myself to talk about innate qualities. I'm struggling to find that word, innate qualities. So I was like, okay, who am I? I'm a badass. I'm a trailblazer. I'm a, I'm a soulful human. I'm beautiful. I'm, uh, you know, I don't know. I went on and on and on. And I was really forcing myself. I have a whole list. I share literally my journal entry in my book. I have a whole list and I've never done this before. And so I use that list. It's evolved over time. But I use, oh, I'm a liberator because I started to say that as I was thinking about myself more as a pioneer and a trailblazer and a badass and, you know, a captain of freedom and all these things I believe in, I was like, oh, there's something here. So this is a fascinating exercise. Like, give yourself 30 minutes of quiet time. If you can take more, take more. But this doesn't have to be go to Bali for three weeks. Really, like sit where you are in your place and really get clear. I don't think we give ourselves enough credit for how fucking amazing we are, right? We attach so much of our worth and our lovability, and I'm speaking from experience, to all the other things. I mean, 
I talk about these as our shoulds, right? I say the shackles of should. I think the shackles of should keep us trapped in tethering our worth and our lovability to things outside of us. And this exercise is a starting point to reconnect with what's inside of you. And what you started to talk about, and I'm going to dig in a little bit more, is, hey, newsflash, FYI, you do not need to take to leave your job to get a sabbatical. And I think that that's a really important point and nuance that you are not here advocating, oh, you know, go, you know, go to India or anything like that. What you're saying is you can do this on your terms. You can clearly, and you should, buy the book and make sure that you have that time to actually ask yourself the questions preemptively before you decide to sign up for more and more and more and just literally spackle another title on top of itself so that you are ingraining or embedding more emptiness if that's where you're feeling. Because it's very easy to do that. It is so easy to do that. And this work, by the way, congratulations, because this is not, you know, this work is not for pussies, right? This is not for like people that just want to bury their head in the sand. This is for people that really want to get at it. I'm like that person. I don't like to pretend that there's work to be done and then just sit on the sidelines. And if any of you have been working with me, I don't want you to do that either because it's not going to serve you. Not because I say so, because that's not what you're, you're here to do in this world. So help us understand that regardless of where you are, what can you do to actually, aside from this exercise, how do you put yourself in the process of a soul battle? What if I like am in that situation and you know everything that you described, I'm feeling empty, I'm feeling depressed, it's not lighting me up, it doesn't feel good. What can I do to feed my soul and get yeah, on a soul battle? I like the, so I want to make one distinction here. So sabbatical is the name of the book, and it is the journey that I went on that helped me really dig into so many of the concepts that we're talking about and where I had a lot of my epiphanies. I don't, so sabbatical to me is not about leaving your job. It's about finding yourself and how you choose to live your life. Thank you. I think that's an important distinction here because when people hear sabbatical, I think rightfully so, it's, it, you know, soul plus sabbatical mashed together. It sounds like you need to go somewhere and do this work or leave your job. I have actually like when I do my when my I do my keynote talk called Where Soul Meets Success, I don't really talk about sabbatical because I think sometimes it's confusing. I think the book has a lot of very relevant concepts to kick off this journey. The thing I want people to take away is that you get to do this, but it starts with being honest with yourself. And one of the ways to start being honest, you know, first of all, the the who the fuck am I exercise, but also christen yourself chief soul officer because you need to start to have a relationship and be fully connected with your soul. So if you're looking for a title, this is a good one to start with. I made it up because I was a title whore, as you said, and not ashamed to admit it. I made it up because I was staring at a blank piece of paper or a blank page on LinkedIn 
right after I left Harley. And I was like, oh my God, what am I going to tell the world? And I was so freaked out that I didn't have something fabulous to communicate to people. But you did. I, well, but I was, at the time, I was so focused on what are people going to think? My title means everything. I just left this big Harley Davidson and, you know, a huge title and all the things. So I created Chief Soul Officer because I knew having a title with, that said Chief Soul Officer, I am now, I have a responsibility to listen and use deeply whatever I hear. And honestly, oh, I love it, became, that. it became the most powerful title. I actually created a definition for the title. I now say, so this is, you know, six and a half, almost seven years later, I finally understand what this title really means. It's a badass who takes responsibility for the direction of their life and courageously creates it in alignment with their truth, values, and desires. Bam. I love this so much. And I love Larry, it. I am offering this up to everyone because now that I understand the importance, you can wear this with your other titles, your title of mom, your title of partner, your title of maybe it is VP of procurement, whatever your title is, chief people officer, whatever your title is, you also get to be chief soul officer. And I would argue that it it is the thing that comes above all else because it's you serving yourself so you can show up more powerfully in the world. And that's what ultimately what this is about. It's the only way success can be energizing for you is if you are whole and aligned. So chief soul officer is the start. And I created a code. I call it the CSO code. And it's six principles around what does it really mean to show up as a chief soul officer in your life? Because first you're serving yourself and then you are serving others more powerfully. It could be your family, your team, whatever, but nothing works if you don't work. We know that phrase, right? So I don't know if we have time to go into all of these things, but, but as one, I'll give you a couple of these because I think they might be helpful. But as an example, like we choose permission over pleasing. And you've heard me say this, like we give ourselves permission and I have, I was looking for them on my desk. Here they are I'm holding up a, a packet or a pad of orange post-it notes. And I write myself permission slips every single day, right? We get to give ourselves permission. What do I need to give myself permission to do, not do, or feel in order to show up as my most badass, powerful self today? It's a great example of how you show up as chief soul officer. Mm. Right. Oh, I'm definitely doing that. In fact, we're going to steer this conversation over to something that you just tipped, off, tipped me off to, which okay. is the three signature questions. You're going to find out why. And so, and it can be your book, right? If people are listening to this and they're saying, you know what? I need Shelly's go-to book. I, I need to know what Shelly's go-to book that was either instrumental in this process or has been instrumental in her career, what might that be? Because what we're talking about as part of eradicating that stinky career advice is the old success strip, right? That sounds like, looks like, feels like, blah, 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 without necessarily checking in with yourself. But I'm sure that, and again, you can use your book, 
is, you know, there was, there had to have been some inspiration for you along the way. So what would, what would that be? Yeah, I have, I have a whole list. It's hard for me to pick a favorite. So I'm going to say this and then I'll give you one example. On my website, I have a list of the books and the podcasts and other things that have been most influential to me on my journey. Go to ShellyPaxton.com. You can in the show notes them. too. Yes. Yeah. What I'm about. So, so I'll be, I mean, oh, my default is always to say Brene Brown anything because it's been so, I mean, from the gifts of imperfection, because it's not a traditional leadership book, but it has everything to do with how we show up as, you know, in our lives and as leaders. Daring Greatly was a powerful one for me. Um, and all the way to things like uh, Win Twist the Soul of Money. I don't know mm. if you've read that one. Oh, uh, Lynn Twist, The Soul of Money is you think it's about money and it's really about how you live your whole damn life and really your beliefs and how energy flows in your life. And so it really taught me a lot about how I'm showing up and where I'm putting energy and how energy is moving in my life. Um, I could go on and on. Liz Gilbert. No, these magic. Are, oh, that's one of my all time favorites. Yeah. Magic. Yeah. So those are that's a starter list, but please also oh and um Gay Hendricks, the big book. That's another must read. Okay. You totally you are an overachiever because you gave us like some amazing titles. And, and then the next question and your book, of course. Yes, of course. And there will be a link in the show notes for that a hundred percent. The second question is, I think you already may have given it to us, is with that post it. What would you recommend if you are listening right now and have a posted nearby, you write down and put nearby desktop, laptop, whatever top it is, what would that be? The, uh, I have so many. I'm going to say every badass accomplishment is a series of tiny steps. And if you... If you can just remind yourself, because I know how overwhelming this can feel, I still get overwhelmed by so many things in the day to day. And I remind myself, like, all you need is one tiny step. Like I talk about rebelling for, so moving forward in service of who you are, what you want, and the impact you want to have in the world. One tiny step. Think about one tiny step you want to take because that will help you get in motion and not get stuck in the stuff, right? Holy. And what is your walk-up song, Shelly Paxton? This I've got to know. Oh, you know what I've been using uh, for all of my talks recently is This Is Me from The Greatest Showman soundtrack. Ooh. It's so good because at the core of it, uh, you know, my other favorite saying is authenticity is the truest form of rebellion. It's what I, as you know, what I tattooed on my forearm. And like, this is me is all about that, right? This is celebrating our imperfections and our lived experience and everything that's made us us to this point and everything we are from the inside out. And that is truly like success is a feeling, not a checklist. And authenticity is the truest form of rebellion. Like mm. those things together and you get to decide what success full versus success empty looks like for you. Mm. I love this. 
please, everybody, check out the show notes, Shelly's website, the link to her book, her social media, contact information. And for everyone who is listening, I just want to thank you. You have helped to make this podcast, even in its early days, in its infancy, like such a gift and true, like heartfelt, soulful success. We are now currently in the top 2.5% globally. Don't ask me how that happened. I'm really excited. And for, for anybody who's listening, that almost means nothing because it doesn't change anything, right? It's just, it's just us doing something and we appreciate all of your support. And if you haven't already, please do write an Apple review and tell us the truth. Like, don't give us like the suck up information. Like, tell us what you thought and tell us also what you wish we could cover. If there's something there, please let us know. Shelly Paxton, thank you, thank you, thank you for you, just all around you, every single piece of you, and all of your generosity on so many levels. So we're signing off, and I hope you guys have a blast. Thank you for joining today. We appreciate your listening ears, big time. We ask this, use these tools, not tomorrow, right now, and share them by spreading the love leaving us a rating and subscribe so you don't miss the next career blast in a half. Most of all, thank you for you.